This is Seba, the Southern Fried Witch, and this is episode 41 of season two. And today I have a letter that I just found in my inbox from a patron, and I just lost it. I don't know how. I lose emails like nobody's business. This one kind of hurt my feelings that I lost. Found like two others in there today. You know what? It doesn't matter. I'm so sorry, but... There's some things here I wanted to actually answer to, and I think they're really important things to talk about. The letter is from my friend Nosair, and Nosair is speaking to a lot of things here, but one of the things I think that matters the most is the following. I'm a mama witch to two beautiful little beings, a fiery three-year-old girl and the sweetest little three-month-old boy. I wanted to talk to you about being a mama witch. Before I had my daughter, I had witchified nearly everything in my life, but as soon as I entered the throes of motherhood, I find it has been real hard to witchify it. It's not that I don't want to, but I just don't seem to have the energy or the concentration enough to do it how I want to do it. I know coming into motherhood that my magic has changed, and I guess I'm not really sure how to connect with it more than just setting wards for my home to make sure my little family is protected. At least I have that. I found that I go through cycles where I will be real into my magic and then suddenly I haven't got the strength to have anything to do with magic and go back and forth like that. I guess I feel like a part-time witch, if that makes sense. I started to feel that slow return after having to reward my house due to the new baby and a visit from some not-so-nice critters from across the veil snooping around in places they shouldn't. I thought... I might slip back into my witchy ways with a little listen to one of my witch podcasts and you were the first one on the list because I wanted something low and slow and simmering. I just don't have the energy to keep up with any of the others because they are just moving too fast for me right now. The funny thing was when I started listening to you again, episode after episode had something to do with or answered questions to most of the things on my mind. So thanks for that. Well, the ebb and flow of my magic has me wondering how it was when you were raising your children, when they were little like mine. How do you witchify when you're running on little to no sleep and your kiddos were pulling out every ounce of energy you had left? I don't want to fall away from my magic, and I want to help them grow theirs. You know, I want to talk to this, and I want to talk about magic and being a mama But I also have to protect a little bit about my son's childhoods because they were so special to them. So I have to be a little bit careful. I think where I would focus is helping you to find your magic, hun, because it sounds like that's where the the crisis really lies. And I first off just want to say, we all go through this. Not even as mothers. Mothers are a specific kind of monster when it comes to trying to get time, especially to yourself. But It's just really difficult sometimes for witches to stay in their magic 24-7. And I suppose that's why I've invested so much magic into the mundane 
as possible. For instance, when I'm doing, I think we talked about this, I guess everyone on the Patreon, but when we're doing regular jobs, and say for me, I think I'm talking about washing the dishes, you know, or sweeping the floor. I try to find a way that I can incorporate magic in those little bits and pieces. I think I've spoken about this before. And so sweeping the floor could be, I did speak about this before, sweeping out the negativity, sweeping the dust off, you know, the day. It could also be, you know, when you're washing your hands, you can find that little flow underneath everything, that energetic movement that suddenly connects you more. And in those moments, I might meditate, I might sing, I might talk to my great mama. I might craft a little spell into what I'm doing, and that can also be small, and that's fine. But just in those tiny little moments, I would never conflate magical work with high ritual, you know, with having to put on certain airs. And like I've said before, that is fun. It's just not necessary for me. So... I think one of the ways to weave it back into our lives, especially when we are this busy and this exhausted, is to accept that being who you are right now to these little magical creatures is being magic. You know, it's in the way you touch them and the way you hold them and the songs that you're singing them. And, you know, as they grow, the things you're going to show them. One of the things I used to do with my kids when they were that little First of all, they were absolutely just immersed in everything that was ever magical or ever could be. Story time was magical. When I would make them hot chocolate from scratch and they would stand with me, we would spin spells into the chocolate as it melted. We talked about things. If they wanted to talk about ghosts or anything like that, I was willing to talk about it. I always made it age appropriate, but I let them see that, you know, I just didn't clip their wings. I let them have all the magic in the world. And sometimes that may not have looked like it on the outside. For instance, we loved nature. And uh, I'm not sure if they would have or wouldn't have, but I meshed them in it. And whenever we would go anywhere, uh, one of our favorite little islands, has some ruins on it and has plaques outside of that. And it became tradition for us to stop and read those and try to understand the historicity of a place as much as possible. I didn't hide things from them, you know, like the fact that I think that animals have souls or that trees are important, which gave them a reverence for those things growing up. So, you know, I also found ways to invest magic in the tiny things little songs, little protection spells when I would tie their shoes. And I would teach them the same little sing song so that when they would tie their own shoes, they were learning that as well. But honestly, I think we need to give you a break, honey, because those are really young kids and you're exhausted, as you well know. And magic doesn't have to be performative, okay? You don't have to stand there in a robe and... I'm sorry if I hope I don't offend everybody, you know, and call the quarters and have your sea salt ready. 
magic can be when you sink into that bathtub at night or into that shower. It could be a sprig of rosemary that you've brought in there just to scent the room and ease your soul. That's magic. You know, I've told y'all before that I'm a kitchen witch and I think it all started um, cooking for my babies because I was at one point, honey, I was 30 years old. And I had a six-month-old baby. I was breastfeeding a four-year-old little boy and a 10-year-old little girl. And I was um, going to school full-time in the day and cleaning rich people's toilets in the late evening. So it was hard. You know, there was literally no time for anything very whoop to do. It was going to have to be incorporated in my daily life or it just wasn't going to happen. So I'd have my baby on the hip and be stirring stew with my right hand. My daughter would be reading out flashcards to me while I was studying. And my son would be hollering questions about his homework for preschool. And so it was just a lot. And I had to find a way to bring it all back. I didn't want to waste time. I know y'all know what I'm talking about. There are moments In which it just feels like labor. We are just, you know, scouring through this world. And I, oh, I abhor that so much. I would so much rather find something beautiful in the moment, if I could. And there are sometimes you just cannot find anything beautiful in those moments. But for me, and when I was cooking like that, as stressed and tired as I was, I would literally envision spinning love into those sauces, you know. When I would sprinkle oregano over pasta, I would imagine sprinkling kisses across their little foreheads and bringing magic into their lives and just spinning all that health and love and magic into every last stage of that cooking And when you have to try to concentrate on doing something like that, there's less time to be, I suppose, mm, drugged down. And that might not even be it. There's just less space for drudgery and more space for my craft. So that's one of the ways I did it. And it wasn't anything like it is now. And it is certainly not like this for everyone. So let's be really clear on this. But for me, And it sounds like even for you, uh, being a mother was something I wanted to be at that time. And that was one of the most magical times of my entire life. I found a lot of magic outside of myself then. And it was theirs. You know, it was their eyes that would light up and we would go look at the Christmas lights and... I would walk way too long and way too far on exhausted mama feet at trick-or-treating time. And I would tell them, you know, stories of my own Halloweens and teach them about pumpkins and what they used to be over in Ireland. It would be a turnip instead of a pumpkin. And I would just let their happiness and their childish joy and wonder spill into me. I was giving them so much, and they were giving me that. They were doing that to me. They were just filling me with the sparkle and amazement 
of being four or five or whatever. I would sit and play, but I would actually focus as hard as I could on their play. So, you know, I did this the other night with my grandbaby. We went over there, hadn't seen her in a minute. I mean, and I hadn't seen her in a week, and that's enough to make me crumble. And I went over there, and, you know, everybody else just kept talking. And I sat my ass down with her. She's almost two. She'll be two in October. And I sat down with her, and we played blocks, you know. Well, they weren't really blocks. Those are really chunky Legos that fit together. And instead of trying to make something and show her, I let her make things and show me. And I really zoned into that moment. I let myself sink into the magic she was creating. And it was just, it was awesome. You know, it, I think I did, what was it, a couple of episodes back, I did something on Little Magic Everywhere. Well, this is also like that. You know, my baby son, who did give me a grandchild, used to say, what's it like? Because he always wanted to be a parent. And you gotta know these things pretty early on. He always wanted to be. No shade to anybody out there who doesn't, because, you know, I don't know if my oldest son wants them or not, and that's fine. But the little one did. He he used to carry around a baby doll, and I thought that was fine too. I got a lot of I guess shit and Shinola from my family about that, but if he wanted to carry around a baby doll, he got one. He also wanted Barbies for a minute, and that was fine. I don't care. It was whatever he wanted. Well, I had to tuck his baby doll in every night, (laughs) you know, and I nurtured those moments. I mean, he was his imagination and his creativity were already living out a life he wanted to have. He was manifesting it and it did come true. His baby doll was a little girl. He always wanted a little girl. He had a little girl. But I remember You know how I go around the mulberry bush, y'all. I remember telling him that my answer, what was it like, was it was like getting to relive all the best parts of my childhood all over again, but in a way that was giving them away instead of trying to keep them. It was bewitching. I got to go trick-or-treating again. I got to go to those little haunted houses again. I got to go on hay rods and play with uh, watercolors and make paper mache hats and eat Reese cups and stay up too late on Saturday night and really slow down and enjoy ice cream on a hot day. Ride a horse for the first time again and feel the wind in my face on a bicycle again. You know, the way I had as a child and it would feel like I was flying through the air and there was nothing that could touch me. I got to feel that again (laughs) by experiencing it with him. So what was it like? Baby, it was Camelot. And a lot of that was the most powerful magic I've ever felt in my entire life. And no one even said a so mote it be in it because we were too busy living it. So I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't. You know, light a candle once a week if that's all you have and just try to sink into the moment with yourself and honor your magic that way or whatever you believe in. 
But don't forget to find it in all these little spaces that are already occurring. They're already happening every single minute. You're going to have plenty of time, honey. You're going to be an old woman like me one day, and you're going to have plenty of time to do all kinds of cool stuff. You know, read books, write books, go to witch conferences and festivals. You're going to have time to do all that. Personally, I do not think you're being a part-time witch because you are just swamped and exhausted. I don't think that makes you a part-time anything. Honey, a witch is just what you are. It's how you react with the natural world. It is your energy. You are a witch. You're just a real damn tired witch (laughs) right now. And I think the most beautiful magic of all is to give yourself a break and allow yourself to be where you are right now in your journey. Magic can, it can just reside inside of you and it can wait for all the bells and whistles and to do. And you know, right now I'm a tired witch. I am. Um, I think I told you my garden just... (laughs) Well, it's just gone under and it's the first year it's been like that. Now I still got stuff out of it, but it just went, it went awry. And I'm writing for a magazine under my government name and I'm teaching and uh, doing other duties for graduate school. I'm also teaching an undergraduate class. I mean, I've got all kinds of stuff going on. Sometimes my magic is taking a tiny piece of chocolate to bed with me. And just taking little nibbles out of it really nice and slow. And experiencing every last bite. That's magic enough. You are more than enough right now. You are more than enough. So when you're rocking that baby to bed, rock yourself too. Okay? There's magic there. Where you are now. I see you have another question, honey. So I'm going to write to you privately and answer that. And thank you for writing into me. Y'all know my partner, Taryn, really finds most of his peace and magic out in the woods. He doesn't even, I mean, I think this is okay to say. I haven't run it past him, but he doesn't even have an altar. Woods are his altar. And I mean, I find significant things everywhere out there that he puts up. And I think he, I don't know. I don't even know if he wants one. But I understand that for him, It is a constant connection that he's making. One of the things he likes to do the most is to just be still, to do literally nothing in the woods. And you know, my son, my oldest, he does the same thing. He will just go walking. And he says that he gets in this sort of mindset where, I don't know, all of a sudden you're open to what's around you. It's sort of hard to focus sometimes. Am I right? So when you have a decision to make or worries on your mind or something you need to work through, we're tempted to only think of that. My grandma called that studying over something. She'd be like, you studying over that too much. You know, it's like anything, you know, I'm a writer, like anything, if you can just walk away from it for a little while, sometimes it incubates and boom, you've got the answer or things seem a lot more clear. I think walking away from something that worries me or that I'm twisting and turning in my noggin, I think it's very hard. But there have been times that I've just gotten up 
I just feel like the world is weighing me down and I have to get away from everything and just walked out into my woods. And before I enter it, I really hate to bring her, you know, the great mama, the woods, all of my troubles all the time. It's a very one-sided relationship, you know. I don't mean to never do it because I do, but I mean to never just go in to appreciate, to commune, to really feel that as a sanctuary and just see what they want to say to me, the trees and other little things out there. And my eldest will do this and suddenly he'll find a mushroom that he otherwise would have stepped on or see a bird that he didn't notice before. Sometimes I think we just have to be still, be present. And it's almost impossible, at least for me. So I only do it maybe for 10 minutes, maybe 15. But as my grandma always told me, you know, honey, you can pick that worry right back up. It's going to stay right where you threw it. You know, when I was talking about the veil getting kind of thin a little bit early, I think that was last episode. I don't know. I'm of a certain age. But when I was talking about that, I don't think I said everything I wanted to say. I am feeling a certain kind of way, y'all. I mean, reflective, a little melancholy, um, weirdly like something's coming. But, you know, something is. Sawin. But just a little disconnected. And I was feeling that way when I was down at my high tunnel earlier today. And I got the last of the okra. I think I'm about to just go down there and level that old girl out. Just all of it down to the ground. And start over for winter crops. Sometimes you just gotta say, alright, fuck it. It's over. <laughs> you know, It's over. And I want to build something new. And I think that would also cheer me up. But anyway, I was sort of walking out of there feeling that heavy load of I didn't get on top of the bugs this year and the weeds got the best of me and allowing that to be just another way to beat myself down and take away my magic. And as I was walking out of that space, I looked over to my woods. It's sort of habit for me anyway. It's like a touchstone of comfort. And when I did... (laughs) I noticed all those damn logs out there were covered in uh, shiitake mushrooms. I'd been so focused on what I thought I'd done wrong and uh, really battering the hell out of myself about that, that I'd missed what I'd done right. Anyway, I think we got about 10 pounds of them. And I suddenly know what's for dinner, by the way. You know, most people don't do this with shiitake, but I love to do it. I think they only do it with like portabella. Because it's a nice round big cap. But you can do a lot of that with shiitake. Now shiitake's got kind of thick and very dense gills. And I don't advise carving those out at all. But what I do is I get the big ones. You know, big sturdy guys. And pop their stem off because it's real woody. And you can do two things. You can either brush olive oil. Maybe a garlic olive oil over that. Also a little bit on the back too, so it doesn't scorch. Or you can also just sort of brush over a little bit of sauce, maybe a tomato sauce or a marinara, not too thick, and then sprinkle cheese over the top of that. I've done provolone, parmesan, mozzarella, a mix. It's all good, y'all. 
garlic's got to come in there somewhere because garlic and mushrooms, they're sort of in love. And then I just throw them in the oven for a little bit and let that cheese get nice and brown. And they're divine and they're good for you. So anyway, that's what we're going to do tonight. They're not really pizzas so much as, uh, well, for me, almost like replacing a crostini. So I forget that my garden can be bigger and wider and more expansive than I ever give it credit for. And sometimes magic is just around the corner. I found mine today, and it's been a rough week. And in a seriously self-defensive moment, I've decided that Halloween is coming back out around my house. It cheers me up. I am that witch. And I love those skeletons, you know, the ones that are posable. I love them. And I'm not talking about human ones. I mean, dragons and little puppy dogs and all of them. I love them. I have an entire um, fantasy zoo of them. I was missing a bat, but my beloved son thought of me the other day and found one. I'm still missing quite a lot, but I wouldn't mind having two of everything. And bringing those back and hanging those back up and just allowing myself to go to the first magical thing I can think of, which for me is Halloween. Why not? Screw it, y'all. It's been a very difficult year, hasn't it? difficult couple of years. I may light up my entire forest with orange and purple lights. You gotta do what you gotta do, bat children. And right now, I'm gonna bring magic into every corner I can. Saves my life. Well, I'm gonna get out of here. I have mushrooms to clean. Y'all write into me and give me those stories that I asked for. I haven't had one yet about beginnings. I'd love to see those. Also, I need to do some shout-outs right quick. Our Patreon has grown leaps and bounds in the last week, and you have no idea what that means to me. It's making me want to do extra content, which I'm about to go do after I finish this one. (laughs) But I wanted to personally thank Cass, Yoti, Sandra, Shelly, and Sarah. Y'all are supporting the podcast and keeping me on the air. And it means quite a bit to me and my family. Thank y'all so much. Okay, I'll talk to y'all next week. Love you like chicken. Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south.